When I think of Chelsea Kim and the disruption that she and her co-founders are forging with their new company, Bella, I can't stop smiling. There are so many aspects of this episode that I love. Chelsea and I talk about the bumblebee principle, about the intentional mixing of institutional scarcity with the infinite pie of love, all in the context of fintech. And as if that were not enough wonderfulness, we talk about discovering and cracking open inherent bias built into social media. And you know, we need those cracks because, as we know, that's how the light gets in. You absolutely cannot miss this episode. Check out the show notes, how to become a member of a radically new banking paradigm based on love, karma, and paying it forward. And show some love for the episode. Leave a review and a five-star rating and tell your friends all about it. everyone. Welcome back to the Mojo Maker for Women in Tech podcast. Today's guest, Chelsea Kim, is the co-founder and head of marketing and operations at Bella. It's a lifestyle brand with the first conversational bank, 100% powered by love. Bella is challenging the status quo and building their karma army by focusing on kindness, love, inclusivity, and equality while putting community and connection first. With years of experience helping to build startups in Silicon Valley, Chelsea is bringing her expertise to banking and creating a positive impact for their community and the world at large. Welcome to the show, Chelsea. Thank you so much for having me. I've very much been looking forward to this conversation. Me too. Me too, because somehow I think a lot of us have grown up with a perspective of banking that does not necessarily incorporate the values and the perspectives that you're building into Bella. And I would love to hear more about that story. So tell us a little bit about how you came to be in this fintech sector. What's your story? Yes. Well, I mean, you hit the nail on the head there. I don't think anyone really thinks about the word love and bank in the same sentence ever. So we're definitely trying to challenge some status quo here and a disrupted industry, really. When you think about my backstory, I always go back towards basically high school is really when it hit me. And I recognized that there was a world bigger than myself by some mission trips that I did. And when I was in that environment and trying to help others, it really struck a chord with me as to who I was going to be and the things that were important to me. And my career has really just been a trajectory of trying to create impact and positive change. And it wasn't intentional. It was just something that was internally driving me. And I didn't recognize it really until recently and started talking to people about what my goals were and what I was trying to accomplish with my life. And I recognized this pattern of trying to inject love into the things that I was doing. And love can come in many forms. There's even the book that was out there and and was very popular a few years ago about the five love languages and how people accept and receive love. And so when we think about that and we think about business, that's been the core of what has driven me to where I am now. And with Bella, not just love, but moments of joy and being able to create impact on somebody's life is 
ultimately, in my mind, a selfish act. And it's something that I'm doing to serve myself because it brings me joy to see a smile on someone else's face. Well, wow. So the thing that really strikes me and I, a conversation I love to have, and I don't want to sidestep your backstory here to get into this, but I really want to get into this at some point here about Bella, because it strikes me that in a wealth creation industry, and I would put tech in there as well as obviously mm-hmm. banking, that there's kind of this scarcity mindset. In other words, it's a fixed pie. I get more, you get less. We don't create abundance by win-win, you know, by all players in the equation mm-hmm. necessarily. That could be a total misconception on my part, but I'm not, I think there's some truth in there. And what you're talking about, and especially when you use love and talk about love, if I give love to somebody, there's not less love anywhere. There's more, mm-hmm. right? Exactly. It's a completely opposite construct. And you're combining these two worlds together. First of all, I think that sounds like a really, really interesting project, game-changing for sure, but also one that makes me curious about how did you find yourself with your, you know, your background and your experiences? You mentioned a mission trip in there somewhere that tells you that you are the one who can make this happen. I think that's a phenomenal thing. I'm not questioning it. I think that it's a wonderful thing to have that confidence and, you know, the vision and the foresight and the belief to step into something and say, you can make this happen. So can you tell me a little bit more about that? Yeah. I mean, I attribute it all to my naivete, right? Oh. <laughs> it is the the idea that I can change the world is, is not something that was, you know, ever my plan. It was never something that I went internally and said, this is what my purpose is. This is how I'm going to make an impact. It was really, why can't I do this? You know, if I can change that one life or I could do that one thing, why wouldn't I? And therefore, why wouldn't that person go do that for the other person? And so, like you were saying, love doesn't deplete when it's shared, right? And so, when you think about that, there's always an abundance and there's always this additional that can be added to the next interaction or to the next person. And so, sharing it actually creates it. And it's the opposite of taking away. I don't think you're wrong when you think about wealth and the the idea that if I have more, somebody else has to have less, or if I have less, somebody else gets more because it does feel like a finite pie. But ultimately, value is attributed based off of what we as a society say has value. And so when we think about injecting love into an industry that has pretty much ignored it. I mean, let's be real. The US banking industry is not exactly known for treating people well. (laughs) You know, you think about why couldn't we share moments of joy using our money? We do it anyway. We just don't think about it in a banking construct. So one of our main programs is called the Karma Account. And it's actually based off of the Naples tradition in Italy of Cafe Sospeso, where you buy a coffee for yourself and you pay for an additional that stays with the coffee shop. And whoever doesn't have the money to afford one can come and inquire and get a cafe sospeso, a free coffee for that day. And so all of us are used to this. We you hear the stories about people paying for the person behind them in line or, you know, picking up a random tab, doing these nice gestures. That's all this is. It's just on a more national scale and it's paying for that other stranger because they're part of the Bella community and that's your connection. That sounds 
Revolutionary. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think of the movie, like every year we watch the movie, It's a Wonderful Life. And, you know, the scene in there of the banker and everything, I think that we really do have probably a stereotype that isn't really true. So I love what you're doing and I love the way that you're combining this together. So let's talk a little bit about what kind of other trends you might be bucking as a woman in fintech. (laughs) Well, I will be the first to say I have no experience in fintech. If you look at my history, I studied health education and I did skills training with autistic children. That was my main forte was ages 10 and under and helping families understand how to live with autistic children and how autistic children think and act so that they can better fit into what the social constructs of our world are. And so bridging those gaps was really my main focus. And then it transformed and I figured out technology is really just a way to facilitate this on a grander scale. And so I started getting into technology in different types of companies and I worked in everything from waveguide optics, which is the technology behind AR and VR, through to drones, and then to an extent stumbled into fintech. But ultimately, the thread is technology. And it's not really about finance to me. It's about how can technology create better experiences and actually add to our lives, not just facilitate them. And so that's where Bella comes in is, you know, adding the love to the banking industry is really just adding to our lives and it's creating an opportunity for us to do bigger and better. So fintech was never my goal. It was never who I was, but it was just another avenue to be able to facilitate the same experience for people. And that's where I say I just sort of fell into it. (laughs) Yeah. You come at things from a very different perspective. And you mentioned a little while ago, you you use the word naivety. I wouldn't use Mm -hmm. that because there's a, there's actually a bumblebee principle The Mm -hmm. bumblebee principle is that the bumblebee has no idea that it's aerodynamically impossible for him to fly. (laughs) He just does it anyway, right? So you're stepping into a space, bringing a wealth of background that is really oriented towards, it's relational, right? It's creative. It's got a belief system in how we're going to make the world a better place from the inside out, sounds to me like, and you're just saying, and fintech is the venue where this is going Mm -hmm. to happen. Any particular like major challenges or milestones that you want to talk about along the way to making this happen? Because I'm assuming Bella is open for business. Yes. We opened November 30th of 2020. We actually built it across November of 2020. 19 to November of 2020. So 100% in the pandemic distributed, it was a whirlwind. (laughs) Oh my goodness. So tell us a little bit more about what that was like for you, because that's phenomenal. Yeah, there's so many avenues, I guess I could kind of explain this. One, I'm the only female on the team of the leadership team. So that's one challenge. There's also the additional side of it. Like I mentioned, we did this throughout the pandemic. And so that typical startup environment that you romanticize and get to experience, and I have experienced at other companies, is kind of broken. You know, you don't have that 
what we call the bunker style method where you get to sit in a room and you know you're eating pizza at 2 a.m while you're trying to code and figure out what's going on and how does the market going to respond to this and what do you do for the colors and all of those different decisions that would usually be made by sitting in a room with the founding team or even a slightly larger team and so recreating that over distributed kind of experience where we were all isolated we were I guess in one sense, thankfully, we were all in lockdown, so we didn't have anywhere else to be. <laughs> but, um, but creating that same dynamic and keeping the same energy without having that personality and that, that experience of sitting together and feeding off of each other was, was a very different experience creating Bella than it was at any other startup I've worked at or any other business I've worked with. There's a story in that by itself, the mm-hmm. idea that we all get blindsided and broadsided by this pandemic and go into lockdown, not knowing when it's going to be over and not knowing what is going to happen next. And you make a startup and open a fintech business <laughs> in the midst of a pandemic, which really for me is the equivalent of taking lemons and making lemonade. A lot mm-hmm. of people hunkered down and didn't do a lot. You took what is the some people would use the phrase the depths of winter and got ready for spring and you made something happen. Yeah. And in our case, it was the perfect storm really, because if you think about how much people's lives changed and how they were, like I mentioned, isolated, we were locked in our homes or unable to go different places and see different people. You weren't sure if it was safe to be around your friends and family and to protect them, you stayed away. And so you lost a lot of those personal connections that were part of your day-to-day life. And so the timing of Bella was really serendipitous and you know, not that I would ever wish the pandemic on anyone or anything, but it really worked to our advantage to a sense because people were craving connection and ways to interact with each other, whether it was a stranger or someone they knew. And so having the programs that we did like the Karma account and Bella Surprise Cashback is another thing that we do with our debit card where it randomly surprises you when you use your debit card for everyday purchases. And that could be between five and 200% cashback on your purchase up to $2,000 per purchase. So it's a pretty astronomical amount in my mind of what you would be using a debit card for. But when you think about those different pieces, it kind of creates this moment of joy and connection with another Bella member or with Bella itself. And building that community probably would have landed well in other times, but landed tenfold what we expected because of the way the world was. What does that look like, the tenfold over what you expected? Is that in terms of the number of members that have joined you? Partially in members and partially in activity. So when we think about when we were launched, we had a goal of 5,000 members by the end of December. So in our first month, and we 3 x that. We really didn't expect that. And it kind of stressed our systems. And we had to hire pretty quickly to get some systems in place. But on top of that, it also sort of boggled my mind as to how fast people were willing to use the Karma account. And it's the main driver, I think, of why people sign up for Bella over any other neo bank or fintech or bank account that they could get is this ability to share and create those moments of joy for somebody else. And maybe it was the holiday season that the timing worked out, or ultimately it's just the personality of the people we're attracting. But 
people are using their Karma accounts. And, you know, I think I was looking at the numbers this past week and it's something around almost $100,000 since we launched about five months ago have been spread through Karma. And that's member to member transfers. That's Bella not supplementing it. That's just our members saying, let me put some money aside and do something nice for someone. It's not tax deductible. It's not something that you're going to get anything back except that feeling. And that to me is far and beyond anything I could have imagined. I've heard it said that the truest act of kindness is when you do something for someone else who has no way of responding or paying you back. You know, the idea that it's really truly an altruistic move that is just done to reach out in kindness to another person. And you've enabled that through the banking system. And it sounds like it really struck a a chord with people and resonated because I think people are truly at their heart wanting to do good for other Mm -hmm. people and sometimes don't quite know how to do that. But the other piece of it is at the midst of this pandemic, it heightened our awareness of just what we were losing in our connections with each other and how could we find another way to do that? Do you think that probably had something to do with it? I do. I think it was, like I said, the perfect storm or serendipitous, however you want to phrase it, that we launched when we did because it was right before the world was able to, to an extent, come back to some semblance of life or whatever our new normal is with vaccines starting to come out and people being able to gather. You know, So we'd been in it for a, a solid eight, nine months by the time that we launched. And then to be able to have that opportunity to connect while just living your everyday life, yeah. I think people craved it and they, they needed it. And so we were able to fill that need. Just so if anybody's wondering who's listening to the show right now, how do they go to the Bella website and they sign up to become a part of that community? Yeah. So we have sort of two things that are going simultaneously. There's the community side of things where we want to foster connections and we're taking it outside of the app to volunteer work and supporting local community efforts. People who just want to change their neighborhood community, whatever it might be in a positive and lasting impact. And so we monetarily support some of these things as well as help with marketing. So there's that side of it that you don't have to be a banking member to be part of. And then there's the other side that is the bank, and that is a fully digital app-based bank. So you have to have a smartphone, but you download the Bella Loves Me app, either from the App Store on Apple or the Google Play Store for Android, and you sign up. It is a bank account, so just be aware. We have had some issues with understanding that because we talk about the Karma account, and people don't realize that they're also getting a bank account associated because that's the way that it has to work, at least for now. But the bank account is through the app. You sign up and then it's a fully personalized app experience. It's not your traditional banking. It's done in a conversational experience. And we do everything through sentences. There's no menu bars. You don't have the hamburger. You don't type in commands. You have short links if you want to jump ahead or do something that will be a traditional banking experience like transfer money. But everything's done in a sentence and you can customize it with your own pictures. You put your pronouns in there, your nickname, all of the things that would make it you so that it is fully about you and it's fully about how you connect with the community in the world. I'm smiling really big and it's hard to talk. (laughs) That's exactly what we want. That's the feeling that you should have when you think about Bella. (laughs) Well, because I'm just struck by the vision that you all have had 
to do something so radically different that will delight and make life better for people through the technology, which is what you said you wanted to do. So can you imagine being involved in a technical environment and speaking in whole sentences? (laughs) (laughs) Right. (laughs) That by by itself is delightful. And it understands you. You're not screaming at it. (laughs) (laughs) Gee. So Bella loves me. I love that aspect of it. What is your dream about the future of this kind of fintech? What is your wildest hope? I want this to be a household name. I want people to know Bella and just as you were talking about, have a smile on their face when they think about what we're doing and the way that we can enrich life because technology shouldn't just facilitate it in my mind. It should make it better. And better can mean a lot of different things. It can make you more efficient. It can make your life easier in different ways. But why not spreading love? And, you know, when we first launched and we were trying to market and being in the pandemic era, we didn't really have out of home marketing. So we had to go to social media and figure out ways to get in front of the consumer, for lack of a better term. We needed to figure out how to advertise. And the algorithms of these platforms like Facebook, which also owns Instagram, they blocked us from advertising to most of a demographic because they thought we were a dating app using the word love and bank in the same sentence. Like I said, it's it's not something that's intuitive. Oh. <laughs> and so you screwed up the algorithm. Exactly. They <laughs> they qualified us as a dating app and we couldn't advertise to the non-single people. Like they don't need bank accounts. What? <laughs> so, so we finally got reclassified as health and beauty. And I don't know if that's actually changed to fintech at this point or if we're still health and beauty because of the terminology we use. But it created a lot of really interesting problems to solve. And that's where I say technology is is great until it's not. And ultimately, I guess my goal is that it's not weird to think about love, kindness, generosity, tenderness, beauty, joy, when you think about banking and your finances. And that comes from many avenues, not just what we're trying to do, but it comes from understanding finance and being familiar with it and being comfortable with it, knowing where your money is, how it's being used. That's another piece that we're really cognizant of is our values. And we actually consider ourselves a mission-driven business, which maybe seems counterintuitive again in finance. But when you think about it, finance is really just, like we said, the means to the end, the vehicle, because ultimately finances are so centered to everyone's life. And you have to have somewhere to put your money and somewhere to use your money from. It's all digital at this point. Very few places use cash anymore. And so when you think about that, Bella is just filling a hole and providing opportunities to use it in a better way or use it in a smarter way. Sure. Sure. From a money standpoint. Mm Mm-hmm. I want to drill in on something that you mentioned there because I think it's actually potentially hugely impactful across the tech community. And that is when you talked about love and banking in the same sentence and you messed Mm -hmm. up the AI, let's just call it, Mm -hmm. right? You messed up the way that our paradigm about life has been coded into (laughs) the infrastructure that we run our lives with. Let's face it, right? I mean, everybody's kind of, so many people who are part of the culture here in the US, at least in some demographics, are digital natives and we're using technology for everything. And when you 
created something here that literally upset the apple cart (laughs) in other technologies who don't have the same paradigm. You've just built the first bulldozer Mm -hmm. to break ground, to change something that desperately needs changing. Yeah. And when we're talking about, you know, these constructs of, let's say, social media, you know, it's the same thing we're trying to do with the banking industry. We're trying to disrupt something that a lot of people look at and say, it's not broken, it doesn't need to be fixed, or it is broken, but it's a lot to fix it and it's just not worth it. It is worth it. It is worth having the conversations and pushing the envelope. And I'm not going to say it's easy. I know we make it sound easy and it's, you know, looking back rose-colored glasses and laughing about it, but it was a struggle. I mean, how do you get people signed up for a waitlist or knowing about your bank when you can't advertise to them? How do you battle that and do it on a shoestring budget of being a startup without money and without resources because you don't have the massive accounts and account managers to help you circumnavigate their systems and try to fit within that? It was difficult. And every day is difficult because we don't own our banking license. We're the front end. We're the experiential side of it. And if you think about neobanks, a lot of them are like this. If you think about Chime or Faro Money is a little bit different. They just got their banking license. And 26, Monzo, uh, these people rent banking licenses from other banks. And that's what we do. So we're not a bank. We're the banking front end. And so that means we have to fit within a lot of boxes that we don't want to fit in. And we have to fight daily with the banks. We have to fight with the platforms and the systems to make them bend a little bit each day to change this industry and to change the world. And we take a lot of risks and banks are not usually very comfortable with risks. So there's a lot of things that we have to to sort of fit within the boundaries, but keep trying to just move that line an inch at a time. And it's not easy. But if you're doing it for the right reasons and right being personal and whatever your drive is, then it's worth the effort and it's worth the battles and the passion that you have to put into it. You have a big why. That tells me you have a big why. I do. And I never realized it really until Bella came into being. I never realized that my why was to change the status quo and to care about people at this level. And it's, it is my main driver. It is the main thing that I wake up in the morning and no matter how exhausting it seems to put on that armor and start battling, it makes it all worth it at the end of the day to just move the needle. What do you tell yourself when you, I mean, you have your big why, so that's driving you and getting you started every day. What is it that you tell yourself when you're doing those battles? Because the FinTech is one thing, the culture shift that you're doing that is going to have such a huge ripple effect is quite another. It's on a a scale that I didn't think was possible. (laughs) So I'm in awe and I bow. This is amazing. (laughs) But what do you tell yourself when you're encountering those inevitable barriers? You're going to hit them again and again and again. How do you talk to yourself? How does your team talk to themselves and say, this is worth it. We're in it and we're going to make this happen. How does that go? I think personally, it's a lot of dark days. 
but as a leader, it has to always be bright and sunny. And so for me, I have my moments where I cry in the corner. I'm not going to lie. There are days that it's like, I need a glass of wine and yeah, it's 12 PM, but you know what? It's going to happen. <laughs> so so there are always those moments where, where you have to sit down and just self-examine. I think Maybe it's because I'm a female or maybe it's just my personality that I am a a more emotional and compassion-driven person. I'm very open with my team. And that's from my co-founders all the way through to the people that I lead. And I am very much a person that will tell it like it is, meaning not just confrontation and things like that, but where I'm at emotionally. I'll start meetings and say, today I am just in a bad place. Don't take anything I do personally. And I'm going to probably be very short, but it's not intended to be directed at you. Or I might you know, come into something and say, we just did something fantastic. We, we came out of this. I'm in a really great mood. Let's keep positivity up. So I, I try to preface wherever I'm personally at so that people don't take it and feel like they have to absorb it. And then I also I make myself available to my team as much as possible. And we have I have weekly one-on-ones with everybody on my team. And I make sure that they know that that one-on-one is their time. It's not about business. It can be if that's what they want to talk about. It's it's not about what their tasks are and keeping me up to date on what's going on. It's whatever they want to talk about. That could be personal. I talk to some of my team about their dating lives or their children or how much sleep they're getting at night. And other ones I talk to strictly about business because that's how they like to operate. And so it's it's really adapting to whoever is around you and also being very open for me with my team to let them know where I personally stand and what is happening for me that day so that they know that it's not personal. It's not a reflection on their work or anything that's going on with them, that it is 100% me and that they should not walk on eggshells around me, but know that if I react to something in a certain way, it's because of extenuating circumstances. Mm. You're carrying a lot on your shoulders. And I used to use a phrase for the profession that I was in, in the cyber world, Mm -hmm. because so much of what we were doing was breaking new ground. But instead of like, you know, being out there and doing a groundbreaking ceremony, Mm -hmm. I used to use the metaphor of being strapped to the bow of the polar star as it's going north. (laughs) Like, This is an icebreaker exercise, and Mm -hmm. we're on the front edge of that. It's going to hurt sometimes. Do you know what I'm saying? Absolutely. But this is what has to be done in order to do something that matters, that changes the world. I think it's great to model that it's not just going to be a cakewalk, and all I have to do is dream it and then it yeah. happens without any effort. You know, you're investing a lot of your personal energy in mm-hmm. in many ways to make this happen. And and that's I think it's good to tell that story. Yeah, I think for me and even the way that we've built the business, transparency is extremely important. And, you know, that's emotional quotient, that's intelligent quotient, that's all of the things combined, right? And that's why even in Bella, we put the Bella Loves Me Index together. It's kind of like a stock ticker. It only goes up though. And it's all of the acts of kindness and joy that have been given or received within the Bella community. And so that is our way of being transparent to our members to showcase, here's the joy you're spreading or the things that are happening. And here's the amount of money that we have put into this or you have put into this so that you can see what's happening in this community in real time. And that goes 
directly back to our team. We have the same fundamental value with our team as we do with our members. It's all one to us in that everyone needs to know where we stand and what things are happening and why we're making decisions along the lines that we are. I'm not going to say that it's a complete democracy. Ultimately, somebody's got to be in charge, right? But it isn't done in closed doors and closed quarters. Everyone knows what's going on as best that we can. And we try to be really open with communication internally as well as externally. I, again, got a really big smile on my face thinking about your stock ticker that only goes up. That idea, (laughs) that positive feedback loop that says this is the difference we're making. This Mm -hmm. is how you all together are contributing, right, is got to be a lift. Like, I think I might look at that the first thing every day if I was, you know, trying to build something like what you're doing. (laughs) Right? It is. Mm Mm-hmm. This is the evidence that says that what we are doing is catching on, that it is needed in the world. And back to your one of your opening statements, you're make, using technology to make the world a better place on a big scale. And people are catching on with that. So shifting gears a little bit, are you still mm-hmm. in a really distributed mode working together or are you getting a chance to get back together a little bit in, now that we're seeing a light at the end of the tunnel. So we actually made a conscious decision as a business to remain fully distributed. So we do not have offices. Our team is based all over the U.S. from West Coast to East Coast. And then we also have teams members who are in the UK as well as Italy. And so for a long time, actually during the pandemic, I'm originally from Hawaii. I went back to be with my family and help out with some things there. So for about the last actually eight months I've been in Hawaii. So that's a 12-hour time difference from Italy. And it's been a journey, a lot of long hours and trying to figure out how to work on a 24-hour clock and not work 24 hours yourself. (laughs) So Yeah, I've been there. I've done that myself. Yeah. I was in San Francisco with clients in Singapore and Finland. Yes. (laughs) Previous companies, I've been in the same shoes. It was I was living in Silicon Valley. So I was in San Francisco area and we had clients that were in Australia as well as France and Germany and all of the US and Canada. And so it was very much like you were talking about. It's like, how do I not have to be the person, right? And how do I trust the team? And how do I hand off and make sure there's support and all of those things? So those were uh, additional challenges, we'll say. But I think we've gotten a little bit better at it. I won't say we're great. We're still figuring it out. And as the team keeps growing, there's additional sort of personalities and there's additional, you know, sort of work stressors and things that are happening with communication and figuring out how the culture works and stuff like that. So it's a constant growth opportunity for us. And it's something that we are very focused on because we don't plan to go back to offices. We don't want to have to make people move or create that environment where a handful of people are remote and everyone else gets together every day because it's about equality and fairness just as much as anything. And so even our founding team, we started out all in Manhattan and that's where I'm currently located and personally will remain. But our founders, there's three of us, Will and Angela are the other two, Angela's already in LA area. He's moved permanently, bought a home there and plans to stay there. And Will is deciding where he's going to move next. He's not going to stay in Manhattan. And so even the three of us will be distributed. And it's just a matter of compounding and doubling down on our open communication and finding ways to make sure that we keep that passion alive, separated. You just never stop breaking molds 
anywhere. <laughs> I love that. Necessity is the mother of invention, right? And so we're yeah. just, we're trying to keep up. <laughs> this is amazing. So as we, you know, kind of come towards the end of the show, I mean, this has been eye-opening for me and I'm excited about what you're doing. Thank you. Because I've talked so often about this collision of this fixed pie versus the abundant pie, mm-hmm. infinite pie, and the clash that we are running into and the impact that's having. And you're cracking it open. And I think that just is something we could talk about all day. The, <laughs> I but I, I want to shift gears just a little bit to there's a lot of people that are hoping to make a difference by working in the tech world in some capacity. And they also don't have a deeply technical background. You described coming into your kind of fintech world, you'd served in many other capacities in different roles. But as you described earlier, you don't have that real strong technical background. So what advice do you have for people that are listening that says, wow, this is where I got my background in education. I did these things. I really want to make an impact in tech. Do you have any words of wisdom you can share with them about that and what they need to do with their you know, mindset about getting oriented and tips to getting started? Well, I'll take your example and not call it naivete, but the bumblebee effect. And (laughs) I love that. I'm stealing it. Never think that you have to fit into a box. I mean, aerodynamics say that bumblebee shouldn't fly, but he does anyway. So let yourself fly. And ultimately, there is space for every type of thinker. And the diversity of thought is what pushes us forward. I came out of of university as a health educator, and my passion was around helping families with autistic children, and that translated into fintech. There is no straight path, and whatever you find interesting, just keep pulling on that thread because I came into technology from a business standpoint because I I knew how to build structure, and that's why operations was kind of where I, I came in. Even prior to that, stepping into the business world in general, I love shopping. I'm your like quintessential love fashion, got to spend all my money there. But I became a materials purchaser for a health company, actually, making sure that surgery centers had all of their materials needed for surgery and then translated that into a manufacturing facility, buying and selling. And then from there, was just interested in learning how the business worked. So started dabbling in accounting and understanding how bills were paid and how orders were processed, and then into creating sales decks and understanding how to present and pitch different things, and then scope the projects and create proposals and quotes. And so anything that you're interested in, if you just keep pulling on the thread, you will eventually find your way into the position where you're meant to be. And even within our team, we don't focus on skill sets. And I know that that's not a traditional experience, but everyone who interviews with our company always laughs that it's always a conversation. They never feel like they walked away from an interview. It was like a coffee chat with their best friend. Because if you can think about what somebody's really great at, then it doesn't matter what they've historically done because maybe they weren't given the opportunity. And more and more companies are realizing this, I think, and recognizing the importance of that diversity, that not everyone needs to come from the same education, the same schools, the same 
thought processes or upbringings to be able to be successful. And that those opportunities come from people who have drive and passion. And even on our team, I look at even our operations team as an example. We have people who worked in retail. We have another person who is a screenwriter and loves acting. We have somebody who was interested in operations but came in through customer support because they had experience working in kind of call centers and others that were in nonprofits. None of these people were traditional finance people. None of them were in fintechs. None of them knew how the banking industry necessarily worked, but they had a passion for startups and doing something new and innovative. And that passion was what we needed. And so depending on the stage of the company, you know, you can go for generalists and people who have passion. And other times you need people who have very strict and understood guidance on their experiences to be able to push you to the next level. And so it's really just timing and making sure that you're following what you're passionate about and what your dreams are. And that's all I did. It wasn't any secret sauce. It was just that bumblebee effect of blinders on that this is what I was going to do. And why wouldn't they be grateful to have me? (laughs) So Yeah. Why not me? Right? Yeah, exactly. So what I hear you saying is trust the unfolding. Mm -hmm. It doesn't have to be all mapped out in advance. Yes. I mean, we could go for hours and I would love to keep talking to you, but (laughs) even my university timeframe, I I changed majors every semester. I was in school for four solid years because I never took a month off because I was always changing my major. And my mother said she refused to pay for university past four years. And that's when my scholarships ran out. So if I wasn't going to pay for it myself, I needed to finish in four years. And that's what that meant to me was I was just thirsting for knowledge. And I didn't know what I wanted to be or what I wanted to do. I just knew I wanted to make an impact. And that meant following the unfolding and letting it happen and knowing that it was going to turn out in the end because it just couldn't not. (laughs) There was no way that I was going to (laughs) fail. Thank heaven for people like you who have the huge why to make an impact in the world for good and are such global thinkers and visionaries and Ascribe to the bumblebee principle. (laughs) I love it. I'm stealing it. (laughs) (laughs) And just go out there and do it, you know? And I think that's brilliant. I have enjoyed speaking with you so much, Chelsea. I hope we get a chance to chat again real soon. And best of luck. I know that you're going to be very successful in whatever you do, but I really am rooting for you. I'm rooting for Bella and your team to crack this one open because this is going to be a game changer. And I we're on the precipice. Yeah. I can feel it. I, yeah. Like I said, it's going to be a household name. <laughs> yeah. That's exciting. Well, thank you so much for being here. I look forward to talking to you again soon. Thank you. This has been so wonderful. I appreciate it so much. That's it for today. Thanks for joining us. We're on a mission to help you make your tech life the best it can be. And a big part of that is helping you handle adversity like a boss. You can get more right now with our free gift for you over at BNLI.today to download Flame Proof, your anti-burnout guidebook. If you love our podcast, don't forget to subscribe and let others know. You can also get more insights from our weekly podcast digest on topics that are relevant to you, your allies, and your entire organization. So remember, 
You have the ability to create the tech life you love and to make a difference for our industry. See you next week. And in the meantime, be well and be an ally.